Hi everyone, welcome to the Two Guys and Some Data podcast. This is the 12th installment of the marketing podcast that shows you how to use data to actually make more money. I'm Alan Abbott. And I'm Larry Kavanaugh. And today we'll discuss something that doesn't always come up when we talk about direct marketing, storytelling. It's a vital element that may be the difference between success and failure in your direct marketing program. So Alan, why are we talking about storytelling on a podcast about data? Well, ultimately, consumers don't care about data. Uh, in fact, if they know too much about it, they get a little freaked out. Uh, they also really don't care that much about whether your product is 3% better than someone else's product. Uh, what they care about is, is stories. People buy stories, not products. So if your storytelling is not particularly compelling, it really doesn't matter how much data you have and how well you crunch it. Uh, if your messaging is not great, if it's average, ordinary, and, and you know, just doesn't speak to people, you're not going to be successful. And storytelling is, is a very fashionable thing in, in society. So think about Game of Thrones, right? I did not see uh, the finale yet, so please, no spoilers. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that's a, a, a very, very long story, and people, you know, tune in and really just get so into the intricacies of, of the stories and the characters. And, and uh, um, you know, it's, you're, you're always rooting for someone, but it almost doesn't matter who wins there because the storytelling is, is so amazing. And of course you have the, the remake obsession in Hollywood. You know, how many times can you listen to the, or watch the Spider-Man story? You know, it's just been, uh, you know, told over and over and over again, but, but people, you know, even though they know how it's gonna turn out, they want to see how the story's told and how it's different than the last time that they saw it. So uh, there's, you know, there's just a, a lot of uh, interest uh, in, in consumers and people in general in listening to stories. No, I know what you mean. The, uh, by the way, that Spider-Man movie is really good. Uh, but stories, like, they seem to break through the clutter. Uh, I saw a good example of this earlier this year. I was at a, uh, it was really actually a competition. It was an event for entrepreneurs. And the entrepreneurs had two minutes to get up on stage and talk about their company. Uh, the competition had provided like a format uh, for entrepreneurs to follow. And it was something like, you know, talk about the market size, the problem that your company solves, you know, uh, your team's experience, you know, uh, uh, how many customers you've had, you know, really the kind of sort of metrics and things that uh, would seem to be important for startup companies and entrepreneurs. Uh, but then uh, this uh, CEO got on stage, uh, his name is uh, Kirthi uh, Kanabadi. Uh, he's the founder of a company called Ready Set Surgical. Uh, and uh, I'm going to read a little bit about what he, I'm going to read like his opening because uh, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, uh, and I know I'm not going get, to get it uh, really in the same way he did, but uh, he started something like this. He said, uh, I want to relay a story to you about my 12-year career as a surgical device sales representative. During that time, I provided support and medical devices for thousands of procedures. The story I'm about to tell took place about two years ago. I received a very panicked call from a neurosurgical coordinator at a pediatric facility. The coordinator said to me, Kirthi, we're doing a pediatric synesthesis case. Do you have your equipment here and are you here? And Kirthi replied, I'm sorry, I was not informed of this procedure. I had no knowledge that you needed me or my set of equipment this morning. Is there anything I can do? The surgical coordinator said, forget it. We're going to have to go open. And Kirthi said, hold on. I think I might have a similar set to what you need at a local facility. The coordinator replied, no, 
We don't have enough time. We have a three-month-old child on the table who is getting ready to undergo this pediatric craniosynostosis. Kirthi then explained that if his equipment was properly requested and delivered, that child would have had a two-millimeter incision in his skull. The alternative, and what the coordinator meant when he said they were going to have to go open, was that the child had a full craniotomy, a procedure that required two additional days in the hospital and a blood transfusion. Now, Alan, as you may guess, Ready, Set, Surgical solves the logistic problems of making sure that all the equipment is there for a surgery. Kirthi hands down won the vote for best presentation. Stories are powerful. You know, what we call viral content today uh, is almost always a moving or funny or adventurous story. 65% of, of TED Talks are stories. Uh, the emphasis on storytelling, though, has made consumers more aware of authenticity. I think Kirthi's story resonated because it was authentic, it was real. Um, fake and or, you know, try too hard content is uh, just instantly rejected. Yeah, you know, last week or last time when we were talking about millennials, uh, you know, the, the topic of authenticity and, and how important it is in reaching millennials came up. And when people first started talking about authenticity, I just had this picture of a bunch of suits sitting around a boardroom discussing, how can we appear to be authentic? Uh, and guess what? People are just too savvy for that now. And businesses have to tell their story to their audience and they have to tell it well, or, or better yet, uh, perhaps we can help consumers tell their own story, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Well, uh, consumers have shown they will pay a premium uh, for a better customer experience, and that story is really part of that better customer experience. It helps them connect. Uh, they want to hear stories, not sales pitches. Uh, you know, a personal story, as you know, is proven to increase the perceived value of an item, uh, which increases revenues for companies, uh, and allows uh, the consumers to really form an emotional attachment uh, with that company and product. Marketers today have more outlets available than ever before to tell stories. You've got social media, you've got videos, uh, podcasts like this one, uh, and uh, of course, direct mail. So we'll get back to direct mail and storytelling in a minute, but let's take a step back for a minute and get to my favorite part of the podcast, trivia. So we're going to stay right on topic today since perhaps we went a little off topic on the content for today's <laughs> podcast. Uh, so the question is, uh, what type of direct mail has th uh, is statistically proven to be the most interesting mail based on a 2016 study by the USPS? Well, I would say IRS refund checks, but that sounds too easy. <laughs> okay, Alan, let's talk about the relationship between data and storytelling. Uh, without data, we would not know who to tell the story to. Uh, as we discussed in our last podcast about millennials, Gen Y is more diverse than any generation before. You have to know who it is you're talking to. Uh, stories can help a brand connect with a customer, but you have to know who those customers are in order to have a relationship with them. Now, Alan, you know, you talked about this concept before. Uh, you know, by all means, let us know uh, what you think this means and what you think are some examples of good storytelling. Sure. Uh, so there has been and continues to be an evolution going on in storytelling and how it relates to, uh, to brands and, and businesses. Uh, so, you know, 20 years ago, storytelling was all about presenting the story of your brand. And companies like L.L. Bean and, and Patagonia and Warby Parker and Bonobos uh, all did a, a really, really good job of telling the story of their brand. 
And because of that, customers uh, rewarded them uh, with, you know, with their business, and, and they became, well, Bean, obviously, in Patagonia have been successful for quite some time, but uh, Warby Parker and Bonobos became highly successful because they told their story so well. Uh, but today, things are moving more and more toward the concept of helping customers tell their own stories. And so, why, you know, why is that? Uh, well, that's what people uh, are used to doing and want to do. That's what social media is all about. So when social media started to become popular, uh, you know, one theory was, well, you know, it, it fosters community and people want to be part of a community. And that may be true, but uh, the, the real story behind social media is, you know, people want to be able to say, hey, look at me, look at me. And this is something that has, you know, gone on for a long time. And, uh, you know, the, the, the opportunities to do so um, have been limited. And now social media has opened up those opportunities. Uh, but but I'll, give, I'll give you an example of, you know, the, the look at me culture. I heard uh, the, the brand evangelist for Harley Davidson uh, speak several years ago, and he was talking about, uh, you know, what the brand means, uh, you know, and why people are, are, you know, such advocates of the Harley Davidson brand. And he, he, he sort of told this story and placed this image in everyone's mind, because I'm sure everyone has experienced that you're, you're in your car, you're at a stoplight, and this Harley pulls up beside you. And, you know, they start revving the em engines, right? And, you know, you don't do anything, you don't pay any attention, so the guy revs them again. And you don't, you know, you don't do anything, you don't look over, and then he revs them a third time. And, you know, finally you look over and the guy looks at you and says, what are you looking at? <laughs> but what he's really doing when he's revving that engine is he's saying, look at me, look at me. And, you know, social media has been... Uh, um, successful in helping people tell their stories. Uh, so, um, you know, the, I think the, the more we can do that uh, and, uh, you know, the more we can help companies by helping them understand their data to do that, uh, the more successful, you know, we can help, uh, you know, brands to be. Because data, to your question, Larry, you know, you know, data can show you what kind of stories your audience wants to hear or perhaps what kind of story they want to tell. Well, I think it's very interesting you're talking about, you know, social media as a way to tell stories because it absolutely is and uh, so is, you know, videos online. But as you know, one of the things that happens when you go online and even on Facebook is uh, there's a lot of distractions. There's ads that pop up. There's, you know, uh, uh, JavaScript inserts that might be showing some other content on there. Uh, direct mail, though, is really a natural fit for storytelling because you don't have those distractions. Now, I know you said not to give you any spoilers about Game of Thrones finale, but I will tell you this. There were no pop-up ads doing it. There were no distractions <laughs> doing it. You just got Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, direct mail, because it lacks that kind of, you know, because you can't sort of have that kind of distraction in there, it works really well. Now, direct mail takes many forms. Uh, you've got letters, you've got postcards, you've got catalogs. You know, direct mail actually also has more of a permanence than uh, electronic media. I mean, think about your refrigerator in your house and you get a postcard in the mail and uh, you put a you put that postcard up on the refrigerator with a magnet. I don't know about your house, but we've got several of those uh, going on, as well as other pieces of direct mail, even like direct mail letters we'll have posted up there. No matter what your story might be, there's a way to tell it through direct mail. Uh, there is, indeed, and uh, also the, uh, the brand story now is uh, still important, but perhaps the story the consumer wants to tell 
might even be more important. And brands that give consumers an opportunity to tell their stories um, can be very successful. So I'll, I'll give you a couple uh, examples. So King Arthur Flower, right? Uh, King Arthur Flower is the second largest flower brand in America, and they get a premium for their flower. It's very high quality. And they have for years and years and years encouraged their consumers, their customers, uh, to share recipes and to exchange recipes. Uh, and through that recipe uh, sharing, uh, customers get to really you know, tell a little bit of their personal story. And before the internet was a thing, uh, King Arthur Flower had 20,000 people subscribing to a monthly newsletter that contained almost nothing but recipes, and people paid to get it. Right? Uh, now, of course, they, you know, they do a lot of recipe sharing on their website, and they have a, uh, uh, you know, a very successful blog, and, but they, you know, they have been successful in part because they've always involved their customers in some type of storytelling and sharing. Uh, maybe the best example, though, uh, and I am, you know, uh, t just need to look at me once to know I'm not a bodybuilder, but <laughs> bodybuilding.com is an amazing website. And very, very early, they came up with the idea of, uh, you know, let's l give everyone an opportunity to have their own page on our website. So you can go up on bodybuilding.com and you can build your own page and you can put up pictures uh, you know, from competitions, you can share, uh, you know, dietary supplements that you like. You can, you know, talk about uh, events that are upcoming. And, you know, that uh, last time I looked, that, uh, uh, that site had, um, uh, I think, close to, a, you know, a, a million uh, active users on the site, meaning people just, you know, who keep returning to it. Uh, so they, they, they've done a, an amazing job. And... You know, what has happened, uh, hopefully, with bodybuilding.com, at least in the last several years, as data collection and analysis has become easier, is they're starting to use that information uh, to, um, uh, you know, to drive what they want to do on the site and, and try to get people to uh, uh, match up with particular products that they're selling, because they are in the business of, of selling products. So you can actually use data to capture the story of, of each customer and, and build an experience uh, uh, to... Uh, uh, either tell your own story or, or you know, help customers create the one they want, and, and it becomes a two-way dialogue, and it's, uh, it becomes you know, conversational storytelling, and, uh, and the data helps to drive the story. I think you're right on about the data. I mean, as you know, I do a lot of work just diving in and looking at data, and uh, you know, no question, you can see uh, what stories that are on websites, if you think about articles and blog content, et cetera, you can see what stories on websites are the most popular, what stories are gaining traction, what stories are resonating, what stories feel authentic. Uh, in the newspaper business, I have a, a good friend who is a, um, has been a longtime journalist, and uh, today they absolutely know how many views their stories get. Uh, they pay a lot of attention to that, and that really guides a lot of where they decide they want to go. So, uh, you know, back into the marketing world, there's tremendous, uh, you know, your, your customers are telling you all the time what they're interested in. Uh, it's out there for you to look at, and I think the smart brands are the ones who bring all that data in, look at it, uh, but then try to, try to use it in a way to figure out, okay, this res you know, this, these types of stories resonate with this part of our audience, these types of stories resonate with this part of our audience, and really helps them connect a lot better. Very good. 
Uh, and you know what? It's that storytelling, those stories that are going to bring us back to our trivia question. And earlier, uh, you know, I asked, uh, what's the statistically most interesting type of mail that people receive? So, Larry, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I, I said offhandedly IRS checks, but it probably isn't it, because I think most people today get their refunds via direct deposit. Uh, so then I thought about personal letters, but, you know, I still have in my basement personal letters that I wrote as a kid, but I don't think I've written one in, I'm not going to say how long. Uh, so, I'm going to go with uh, Christmas cards or holiday cards as the most interesting thing. Well, actually, uh, that's not the answer. Um, and uh, I had thought maybe newspapers or magazines might be the answer, and that's not the answer either. The most interesting type of mail is catalogs. Huh. Well, there you go. Maybe that's a commentary on what's in newspapers these days. Uh, catalogs are a welcome break. Uh, and uh, with continued breakthrough in digital printing and data, uh, catalogs in all forms of direct mail can get more personal, relevant, and authentic than ever before. So with that, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Two Guys and Some Data podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're at it, leave us a five-star rating and review. Doing this allows our podcast to reach more people, and it allows us to give you more and more ways to use your data to actually make money. So that's all we have for today. We hope you learned some useful information about how data can fuel your storytelling, and how your stories can be told through direct mail. To learn more, check out our blog entitled, Are You Agile Enough to Take Your Data-Driven Marketing Offline? You can find it and more resources at navastone.com backslash blog. Again, that's navastone.com backslash blog. We'll be back in a few weeks to talk more about data, marketing, and how you can use the two together to make more money. I'm Larry Cavanaugh. And I'm Alan Abbott, and thanks for listening.